Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, all you Golden State Warriors fans out there, you got to tune in to the Oakland Warriors podcast, the official dubs podcast of Fans First Sports Network. It's awesome. It's hosted by Patrick Epino and a rotating crew of guests who follow this franchise for decades, just like Doug and I have with the Giants. The show dives deep into all things Warriors, both on the court and off. Will the dubs be legit contenders this year? Is Steve Kerr actually going to play Jonathan Kaminga enough to have a breakout year? Will the Chris Paul trade be a blessing or a curse? I'm very interested to know that myself. And most importantly, can Steph win another title or maybe two? The show takes an all-encompassing look at the greatest team in the NBA. No hot takes, no agendas, no bluster, and no goofy knee-jerk reactions. Just smart, insightful Warriors talk about the past, present, and future from one of the best in the business. Tune in and subscribe to the People's Podcast, the Oakland Warriors Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Oakland Warriors. Let's go! You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants, featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazzoni, part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. I cannot overstate how much I hate Justin Turner. I just hate him so much. Brian, I, I f***ing hate that guy so much. <laughs> Every, everything he does, everything he is, I, it's very much the I hate everything about the way you choose to be mean, except real. Because <laughs> Obi wasn't that bad, and Justin Turner is worse. I was right that he is versus <laughs> the Muncie thing. It's uh, Understandably, Muncie has made more public comments. Justin Turner has a little bit of kind of like an, ah, shucks, I'm just playing baseball out there uh, in between giving his teammates COVID. Um, but, <laughs> you know, that guy was really annoying. Uh, all that said, the Giants m- miraculously took two out of three this weekend at home against the Boston Red Sox. They are now 58 and 48, two games back of the Dodgers as we record this. They are two games up on the Diamondbacks, who they kick off a four-game series against. Starting tonight, we will talk about that at the end of the show. Uh, Giants are four four wins and six losses in the last 10. Two-game winning streak. The offense is still dead in the water. Were it not for Mauricio Yovera being traded to the Red Sox, they might not have won two out of three games this weekend. (laughs) It's called strategy, okay? Mm -hmm. Farhan is streets ahead. He is is outthinking his opponent's playing 12-dimensional chess 
and the Red Sox just can't keep up with his brilliant mind. Uh, he DFA'd Javera just so he could trade to the Red Sox so he could blow this game for them. It's it's brilliant. Farhan is a genius. Give him an extension. One thing that should uh, not be overlooked because it's very easy to focus on the the offense, but it's that the uh, the pitching held a, the number five offense in baseball to you know under five runs in each of these games. Three runs yesterday, two runs on Saturday, three runs on Friday. Um, side question, Doug: What was your favorite walk off? So. Currently, I have a I have Directv, and Directv is in a dispute with my local Fox affiliate. Mm. So, in that sense, my favorite walk off uh, was yesterday's because I could watch it when it happened. <laughs> uh, ob- objectively, the JD Davis homer was much cooler, but again, I could not see it uh, until they posted a highlight on Twitter. So, JD Davis uh, hitting it on the first pitch. I liked his Justin Turner esque aw shucks. I was just trying to make sure I didn't see another pitch from Kenley Jansen. He's so good. Uh, also, Kenley Jansen's face was incredible. Uh, if you did not catch the game, if you only caught it on radio or something, read about it after the fact, go find the, the video online. He's stunned. Uh, as I tweeted, like, he can't believe that a Giants hitter was able to hit a pitch that was placed on a tee for them because it was not a good pitch that he threw. It was a bad gutter that, uh, that Davis was able to whack. Uh, and Davis's bat toss was absolutely monumentally epic and amazing. I can't believe I'm using epic, but it was fantastic. I'm I'm pretty overwhelmed. Oh, it was great. He was he like looked at his bat, was like, "Guess I don't need you anymore," and just sort of flipped it, flipped it pretty far. Honestly, it was it was like the point in a buddy. It was like a point in a buddy comedy where they two were like two guys look at each other and simultaneously shrug and walk away. Like, okay. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> the Saturday game also had one of the coolest things. Uh, thanks to video or high def video, we were able to see it. But Patrick Bailey's uh, caught stealing of Duran, where uh, he got smacked in his freaking face with, with Luciano's <laughs> tag. That was pretty great. Uh, it looked like he ran right into a wall. It was fantastic. Uh, I, again, check that one out as well. It was a solid series. The pitching is what I was kind of getting around to. The offense being so bad, but the the fact that they held the pitching in line so much. Sean Manaya, I I saw someone joke on Twitter, and I can't remember who it was now, being like, Sean Manaya's trade value will never be higher <laughs> right now, <laughs> uh, and that that's that's also true. But also credit to Ross Stripling, who really has. It is with a heavy heart, I must announce, that Russ Stripling is up to it again. And he's pitching he's <laughs> pitching very well and looked really solid as the bulk guy. Manaya, though, four and two-thirds, two hits, five strikeouts, no walks against a lineup that, you know, can draw walks and, and is really talented top to bottom. We talked about this in the last episode, Doug. Ryan Walker, just, just pitching so well, like, let him go. <laughs> Weapons free. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> Do it. Let him loose. <laughs> Let let the guy let the guy play. He's enjoying himself. Why not? Um, you know, he was he was a great opener. It was really impressive the way he's been doing this repeatedly now, going almost three innings just at a time and being basically unhittable. 
you know, they're they're basically like, we don't know when Brebia is coming back. We need to nurse back our Brebia 2.0. So who is our Brebia two and a half? Walker, it has to be you. You have to do it. Um, also, not to be overlooked as a show of solidarity or, or just being really solid teammates. Camilo Duvall blows the save on Saturday. And then Tyler Rogers, because their stats have been remarkably similar. Remember, we talked about this around the All-Star break. It was like every time you looked at Camilo Duvall, it wasn't you. It would be like Tyler Rogers would be right there. Or sometimes Tyler Rogers would be ahead. Tyler Rogers in like solidarity on Sunday is like, I'm going to barf one up too. I'm going to, I'm going to make my numbers look really bad. So I thought that was nice, but what the hell's going on with the strike zone, Doug? I hate baseball now because the strike zone seems to be biased against the giants. You know what? I've been saying this for so long. Umpires <laughs> hate the giants. If they only gave us a fair shake, this team would win 96 games every year. I am pointing at error right now. Cause I'm so legitimately mad about this. <laughs> anyway, now that I'm done calling it a KMBR, it was a bad strike zone. <laughs> and the thing is, so what you'll see is uh, people will run the numbers and like, you know, the Giants have actually benefited from a lot of calls. I'm like, yeah, but shut up. Because <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Bailey is such a good pitch framer that the Giants will get a lot of those borderline pitches. But what we're seeing are pitches that aren't really borderline getting called against the Giants. Pitches that are good several inches outside that are suddenly strikes. Uh, really iffy check swing calls. There was one on Casey Schmidt in the mm. eighth, eighth, eighth. I don't know. I think that innings. was. A, I yesterday. think that was a strike. Well, the first one, the first yes. check swing. Okay. You think that yeah, was okay. a strike? No, 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 yeah, the no, second, no. the second one obviously was. Okay, that's why I, was um, I had that fresh in my mind. <laughs> yeah, um, and it was just it's just hard to to see them like just immediately call it against the Giants, especially in a tight situation when oh. Oh, you, you need your best umpiring in that situation. The umpires are not clutch. Uh, they're choking in the big moments. I think that's what's happening. The, the moment is getting too big for them and they just can't handle the pressure. Yeah. And it, like 3-0 pitches, you know, getting the courtesy strikes. Sometimes they're just really ridiculous. It, the consistency part of it, I'm kind of not noticing it as, uh, oh, it's getting called one way versus the other. It it. What I'm experiencing, and I could be wrong, or you could have a different perce- perception here, is that other teams are exploring different areas of the strike zone and finding new strikes that are not strikes, <laughs> according to the box. Because uh, it, it doesn't seem like a lot of like, you called that, or there's been very little like, that was just a strike in the other you know other inning. It's happened maybe once or twice in the past week or so, but it definitely just feels more and more like, wait, these guys are working hard. You know, Luciano had a, his last uh, plate appearance on Sunday. He worked a walk, I believe, yes. And there were two pitches that were uh, at the top of the zone. You know, they were balls, but they were fastballs. And I was afraid, like on the on the second one, that the one that wound up being the pitch that walked him, that I'm like, that could have been called. There was a version of what we've been seeing where that might have been called a strike just because of what's been going on. And it was a good thing that those are the only two pitches that were high. The the pitcher had effectively lowered everyone's eyesight, eyeline down, so they looked even more out of the zone when they went up. But um I mean, this is just my sneak to sneak preview. Of, we're going to talk about Marco Luciano in a second, but also it's it's a little galling, and I don't know. Is it magnified because the offense has been so bad? That has to be the reason, right? Yeah, I, I think so. That everything gets magnified when the offense just can't hit and has been basically 
completely unable to hit for the last few weeks. Um, and so you, you're like, look, you need at least for them to have a reasonable strike zone so that when they fail, it's their own fault. <laughs> and then, I mean, I feel like that's not that much to ask. I'm not saying they're going to succeed. I'm saying let them fail on their own merits. Um, yeah. And then when they don't get that, um, like when Casey Schmidt is making the right decisions, when Lu- Luis Matos is making the right decisions, laying off pitches that are that are outside and the umpire calls them, the umpire is just suddenly like, oh, I'm giving you the Maddox strike zone now. Uh, <laughs> it's it's real tough considering the offensive struggles this team's been going through. Important to remember that the Giants have had the worst offense in Major League Baseball for the entire month of July. That has not changed, and that was the case. And we're going to talk about some potential trades that they may or may not make, or just the trademark in general in just a minute. But before we do that, some... IL moves or roster moves that are worth pointing out. Anthony DiSclefani, we figured out what's wrong with them, Doug. And by we, I mean the Giants. And by figuring out (laughs) a medical scan shows that he has a right elbow flexor strain. So that explains it. (laughs) There is his problem. (laughs) Problem solved. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's. I feel like I can take partial credit for this. It was kind of my idea to just shut him down for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Giants came up with a reason, but you know. I could have said, just throw some scans at him until he fails one. Guys are going <laughs> to fail a scan. <laughs> oh, my God. So so in uh, in our inaugural uh, Giants Croncast season, you've already cemented when it's time to hit, you've got to hit. And just throw some scans at him until he fails one. <laughs> right, exactly. I think it's a, it's a great strategy if you need to get someone onto the IL because he's not very good. <laughs> and he's still under contract for a lot of money next year. Tristan Beck uh, was then recalled to replace Anthony DiScofani, and I put in the notes "magnificent." And I uh, do you disagree? He looked magnificent. Oh, he he was pretty obviously the pitcher of the game yesterday. Um, like all due respect to Ross Stripling and Scott Alexander, who both pitched well, but Tristan Beck came in. You know, he pitched the tenth and 11th innings and he just he didn't allow a run he didn't allow the unearned run to score and basically as soon as he got the first out out of each of the innings you're watching him and you're like he's he's gonna get out of this like as much as you can think that um while still stopping yourself from being completely certain because that would jinx him but like (laughs) you know as as sure as you can get like he's he's got this he he can do it and it was it was easy he just breezed through that lineup which again really strong lineup guy on second basically like a leadoff double in both innings and he just it, it wasn't hard for him um it seemed like i'm sure it was actually very hard but like the way when you're watching him it seemed like it was it was effortless he had it no panic no problem just he he did exactly what he wanted to with the ball to every hitter he faced it was really impressive uh his four seam fastball is more of a highlight pitch for him right now than his slider which feels counterintuitive to the eye test, but just in terms of like run value, in terms of its effectiveness based on situation is uh, is minus 10. If you're a pitcher and it's minus, that's good. Uh, so he's a minus 10 with run value on his fastball. His slider is a minus three, but it's still like 
one of the top 50 pitches in baseball. We've mentioned before, like Logan Webb's changeup is the best changeup in baseball. It's also the seventh best pitch in baseball. Scott Alexander's sinker is like the 10th best sinker in baseball. And there's Tristan Beck plugging along, uh, you know, getting yanked up and down from the uh, from the major league roster and just being a dynamo with the with this with this pitch, the four seam fastball, which most major league hitters now are really good at hitting. And he's been very effective with his, I assume based on what run value contextualizes, it's because he's using his slider, his really nice slider to set up that fastball. And so it's really playing to get the outs, you know, people are having to protect against the slider and then ah, ah crap, here comes that fastball. And that's what, what's <laughs> happening there. Uh, one more thing about the weekend to close out or yeah. Brandon Crawford's back. I actually have two more things. Brandon Crawford's back. And uh, wouldn't you know it, when he plays shortstop, Doug, he looks really great out there. He had a great uh, backhanded play that started a double play. It was really nice. Uh, it was good to see him out there. His at-bats didn't look bad. They did, he didn't look overmatched. Yet, uh, he took some good pitches. He, he made, you know, old man Crawford contact. And maybe he'll get it going. Maybe, Doug, we might see one more week. Remember, we talked about this. We, maybe we might have an extra week in there of seeing Crawford be Crawford. That'd be fun. And then I got to point this out. The Giants uh, blew the lead uh, in Saturday and Sunday, and they came back and won it. Their offense was able to do it, especially the Sunday one. That was much more impressive because Duvall's uh, blown save tied the game, but they actually lost the lead uh, on Sunday, and they were able to tie it and then hold on to the extra innings. So we got to give the offense a tiny bit of credit for late in the game heroics. I don't want do. to, it's, but I feel like we should. <laughs> I, I know it, it feels like they don't really deserve it, even though I know they objectively do. But um, if, if you watch the game, it was it was really frustrating. Like for a game that they won against a strong opponent, it was so frustrating. Just the opportunities they missed again and again and again. Uh, I don't remember exactly what the stat was, but on the whole weekend, they were like, what, five for 35 with runners in scoring position or something ridiculous like that? They were four for 18 on Sunday. And on Saturday, they were one for 13. And then on Friday, they were um, one for five. Just watching them, you were expecting failure every time. And you mm -hmm. mostly got it. Yeah. But they did technically come through in the end. Yes. Also, side note. Negging Michael Conforto did work. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, and I want to, I want to say, I do get half credit, I think, for my prediction that Kenley Jansen would blow a save. Kenley yes. Jansen did not blow a save, but he did lose the game on <laughs> <Yes>. Saturday. So <laughs> better. That's close. better. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. You know, if he had blown the save, it could have still led to, you know, a Red Sox loss. So I think, I think you, you got it. Yeah, I think so. Perfect segue because my prediction was Luciano was going to get his first major league home run. That was denied because he kept getting pinch hit for, but he was also DH'd uh, on Sunday, which was an intriguing move because Brandon Crawford was back. Brett wisely finally banished back to the minor leagues where he definitely belongs for a while. At least uh, Casey Schmidt still up because I guess nominally he's still a good defender. The, the numbers aren't showing he's elite or anything like that. And we saw a report on Saturday or Sunday, I can't remember now, that uh, that or you saw a video of, pa of 
Luciano playing, taking grounders at second base. So it, it, it's been an eventful uh, four games or first five days in the major leagues where they're already like, let's play him in a different position because our model says his body should be able to do it or whatever. But I really like the walk he took. He had a multi a game on Saturday. He got his first major league hit and, you know, all that stuff. It's been a really solid debut for him. Yeah, you can't complain about anything he did. Not really. You know, it was he hit 270. He took a he took a, a walk or two. He had a one double and one walk. But, you know, in 12 plate appearances, that's that's not bad. Um, the He struck out a few times, which is, you know, it's a little concerning, but the high strikeout rate, you kind of expect that a little bit. Um, but no, he looked he looked good. You can definitely see the the talent. Um, he hit the ball. His first major league hit went off Raphael Devers' glove, but he crushed it. So, I mean, you're, it wasn't like a cheap hit where he just kind of happened to leg it out. He hit the hell out of the ball, and the third baseman on the other team could only, like, kind of get his glove on it. Uh, Luciano's fast. You know, he's, he's, he's doing a good job so far. So we'll see how it goes from here. It'll be a good test for him now with this division series coming up against the uh, the Diamondbacks. It'll be a nice test for everyone to get a look at each other's young players again. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's talk about the trade deadline, Doug, because that's coming up. It's 38 hours away from when this episode's coming out. Uh, And the situation could not be more grim or dire for a lineup that is already grim and or dire. uh, There's a tweet that went out, Ben Nicholson-Smith. He's a national reporter. He said, with the Angels and Cubs deciding to go for it, that was you know, this past week, we found out that the Angels were not going to put Shohei Otani on the trade block, and the Cubs have taken Cody Bellinger off the trade block. So with the Angels and Cubs deciding to go for it, high-end trade candidates, Otani and Bellinger, off the market, and there's not a ton out there for teams seeking to upgrade their lineups. Quote, no bats at all, unquote, one exec <laughs> said. And then the quote tweet on that was, by OPS, the most impact bat definitely on the market is Jimer Candelario. Uh, with an A23 OPS, that's 33rd out of 145 qualifiers. And and then John Becker notes that nobody above him or better than that even feels plausible to move. So, yeah, that's pretty grim. Not that uh, Candelario is having a bad year, but he's, you know, in terms of like what the Giants would have to give up to get him is one thing. But the more important thing is he's not really a guy that's in a position that they need. Candelario is fast. He's got, he's been better defensively than JD Davis, but is it is that much more of a, of an upgrade? Could you upgrade somewhere else on the field? You're going to have to move JD Davis around. You know what I mean? Like it gets a little messy there. So who would be better than that? I don't know. And we talked about this, Doug, and we were like, I don't know. This, this looks pretty bad. <laughs> looks pretty rough. I got his name wrong. I was saying it wrong so many times. Paul DeYoung. That just shows yeah. what I know. Paul DeYoung, still uh, kind of nominally uh, a target, I would imagine, for the Giants. He kind of fits what they're looking for. But with Crawford back, with Luciano up, 
it seems less urgent to get a shortstop and DeYoung does not really play second base. So why would you get a guy to move him out of position? Luciano's taking grounders at second. You know, we talked about this. Luciano call up probably as as much to do with like, uh, the offense has been awful uh, as much as it is like, oh, shit, there's no one to trade for. <laughs> Who do we got that might yeah. be able to help us? DeYoung has been sort of the name that that's come up a little bit. He would always come up as like Paul DeYoung or Nicky Lo- Lopez could be targets. And Lopez went to the Braves yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, DeYoung, I mean, DeYoung can play second base. He he played uh, 20 games there his rookie year. And he, he played one game there last year. But he is a shortstop. And so it's a lot of his value does come from being a shortstop. But, you know, if they can work it out defensively, He's hitting decently this year, if if unspectacularly. Uh, 236, 300, 417. No great shakes, uh, but certainly better than what they have offensively in the middle infield. Other than him, it's tough to say, you know, Tim Anderson's name has been getting thrown around. Tim Anderson's having a terrible year. He just hit his first homer uh, over the weekend. He, I think his OPS is in the 500 still. He has some some good years in his past, but it would be nice to find someone who's having a decent year in his present, which Anderson is not. Another name that was kind of floated out there, but it or as an example, based on he's really fast and, and the Giants are one of the slowest teams in the league. Luciano's up. That might help. I'm not, you know, who knows? But uh, and this was floated by Mike Petriello of uh, Baseball Savant, who is really nakedly a Dodgers fan. And if he says he's not, uh, nothing he writes would indicate otherwise. But he, so, you know, bias here, but, you know, Jorge Mateo from the from the Baltimore Orioles, they have a glut of infielders. The guy makes, you know, more than the minimum because he's been through arbitration. Uh, but he is, he is worse than Nicky Lopez hitting wise, but he does have a lot of steals. He has a lot of speed. He plays really solid defense. I don't see why the Giants would be interested in a guy with a career 280 strikeouts to 53 walks. It's a bad, it's a bad match, I would imagine. But I guess the reason why I sent that to you and I, I've thought about it, Mateo also had 35 stolen bases last year uh, when he played 150 games for some reason and had an 84 OPS plus. But he was, but the Giants were rumored to have looked in on Kike Hernandez before uh, the Dodgers acquired him. And remember, I said, why would the, why would Faranzaiti look at Kike Hernandez? Why would they want anything to do with a guy who hasn't been good in five years? One well, as all the Dodgers fans were quick to jump on, he's still been good against lefties. So if that's the metric, <laughs> I would imagine that's the reason why Zaidi would have, would have grabbed him. Uh, Mateo doesn't really measure up there either, but another guy, who Petriolo mentioned does measure up in that regard. And I thought it was an interesting name, Lane Thomas, who we just watched beat the Giants brains in uh, on the Nationals. And I think I've talked about him before. I've certainly written about him before, but he is a basically younger Austin Slater. He crushes lefties. The Giants are really bad against lefties this year. Um, and some of that is because of the injuries, because they've been, you know, the last couple months, they've started Casey Schmidt against the lefty every time a lefty starts. And Casey Schmidt's been very bad. Uh, Luis Matos has been a little, has been kind of subpar and they're starting him every time against the lefty. So having someone who can crush lefties, you know, bring in Lane Thomas, see what he can do. You understand it. But like 
is he going to be worth that much? Um, yes. You know, th- this year he has been. Uh, can we yeah, expect he's been that going really forward? Good. Yeah. That's, I think that's kind of the, the bigger question because this year is out of line with what he's done in his career. Is that because he, he wasn't very good in St. Louis and, and Washington fixed him? I mean, that's possible. Will, will he be that good for the Giants? You hope so. It, it'd be fun to see him and Austin Slater in the same lineup against lefties. You know, uh, if you'll remember Saturday's game, it, it got real dire uh, after the third spot in the lineup, which was J.D. Davis. Yeah. So any kind of any way you can increase the depth of that lineup would probably be a good thing. And it's not like uh, Thomas is not like unplayable against righties. He at in the earlier part of the year, like through the first, I think it was the first two months of the year. Please, uh, I apologize if I have that wrong. But I remember writing about him specifically during the May series, a series preview with the Nationals when they came into town to face the Giants. But he's cooled off quite a bit, just to give you an idea of what his splits are this season. Against righties, it's now down to 696 OPS and under 300 on base percentage. But against lefties, Duck, 364, 410, 643. That's a 1054 OPS and 139 plate appearances. What's Austin Slater? What has he done this year? Uh, 668 OPS uh, against righties and, and and 319, 382, 522 slug against lefties. It's now three OPS in uh, 76 plate appearances. So there was a point, I swear, where Thomas was crushing all comers. And now that's regressed quite a bit. Uh, 15 walks against 90 strikeouts. That's really bad. That's this season against righties. That's not his career. That's the season. <laughs> That's really bad. So <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, but yes, I like your idea of like both of them in the lineup. Thomas has some right field. You know, there's a lot of things about Thomas you look at. It's just if Petriello is trying to sink the Giants with the suggestions, you know what I mean? Which he would as a Dodgers fan. <laughs> but, you know, Thomas is not like an elite defender. He's not even he's got a minus two outs above average in right field, I think, which has been mostly his position. So it's not like you would want to play him in center. I guess you could play him in left and Slater and right, but also just his career, 331 strikeouts to 111 walks. And this season it's 25 walks to 115 strikeouts. I mean, these are not for anxiety level of strikeout to walks that he's looking for. He's 27 though. This might be the peak of his abilities, which would mean it's like the peak of his trade value. So it comes back to, between Thomas and, and Jorge and Mateo, two guys I can't imagine are actually on the Giants' radar based on what we know. They would have to give up a lot to give it, to get either of these guys. I mean, it's I guess it's a good thing Carson Wisenant just uh, is shut down because of his elbow, uh, because he would certainly be a guy that they might have to give up to get Lane Thomas. That'd be absurd. Hmm. I, I yeah. wouldn't be for that. That's kind of what the trade market's looking like right now, though, because there's so few hitters out there that, Basically, every one of them is going to come in more more prospect value than they they would in, in some other years. Um, it makes it it's going to make it tough to make trades. You're going to have to really consider the impact, consider whether these players are worth it, whether the team you're putting them on is good enough to sacrifice future prospects, um, and that that's kind of a an iffy proposition at this point. Like. They're, they're a good team, I think. I think we can say they're a good team. I don't think I don't know if we can say that they're really looking like a World Series contender. And Lane Thomas 
or Jorge Mateo or Paul DeYoung is not going to make them one. Mm-hmm. So it's how much do you really want to give up just to get into the playoffs? Yeah. Wilmer Flores has been uh, fantastic since June 1st. So I was really just kind of going back and looking at what other players and like lowering it to like 40 plate appearances, you know, could the giants just do something like, let's just get a guy, let's find a Kevin Pillar. You know what I mean? Like just find someone who's doing well enough, who, you know, contextually for the rest of the season is not on fire. Uh, It hasn't been great all year, but maybe might be going through a little hot streak right now. So since June 1st, Wilmer Flores has the third best weighted runs created plus I'm back to that in baseball behind Shohei Otani and Tom Murphy. Well, the Giants can't get Shohei Otani and they can't get Tom Murphy because they don't need him. So, so then you look at it and you go, well, Corey Seager. Well, no, not can't get him. He's not a playoff team. You're Don Alvarez, Chaz McCormick. No Astros need both those guys. Edward Julian for the twins. They're leading the central. They're not going to give them up. So I'm just going to like scroll down. What Wilson Contreras for the Cardinals. No, that's not happening. So (laughs) Isaac Paredes for the Rays. No, that's not happening. Riley Green for the Tigers. That's not happening. So like David Fry and Josh Naylor for the Guardians. No, Nolan Arenado. He's on the list. Uh, But the Dodgers are going to probably get him or the Cardinals will hold on to him. But it's it. You look at it from even in that text context of like who's been hot lately, and it's still <laughs> like no one you could get. Like I'm, yeah. I'm going, I'm going down to the 120 weighted runs created plus, and then we'll move on. Since June 1st, weighted runs created plus of between 115 and 120 rated runs created plus. So I'm at the back of the list, and it's like. All these guys are on playoff teams except for Lane Thomas. There he is, 117. You've got Billy McKinney for the Yankees. But again, I don't know why they would give him up, why the Giants need him. Ryan Noda from the A's, Doug. Wait a minute. (laughs) Uh, And then Jordan Walker from the Cardinals. And we had heard his name mentioned before, Hunter Renfro from the Angels. But if they're going for it, I don't see them trading guys. There's nothing... That you look at, you have to effectively, they have to like get the Scooter Gannett equivalent and do the same gamble. Like maybe he'll be good. We don't know. Yeah. yeah, it's it's real. It's real dire. So I'm not seeing a lot of help coming from outside. You know, they, they might surprise us. I don't want to say they won't. You know, maybe they'll get creative, put something together. But just looking at what seems like it would be possible, possible trade options. I, I don't I don't see a lot. It's hard to like write anything off because of that Darren Ruff trade from last year, which is was miraculous at the time. And even in retrospect, it feels like, you know, had Billy Epler been up for like three days straight or something like what led to that <laughs> trade? Why did he agree to that? Uh, so, I yeah, I don't know. I, I guess with Farnsidey, you can't uh, necessarily count him out. I would have to imagine with Scott Harris trying to remake the Tigers on the fly, maybe something could happen, not necessarily between the two teams, but you never know. But yeah, it doesn't look good. Nothing that I could even guess or feel good about guessing is really even out there. It'd have to be something really wild. And that would be based on suddenly the Giants having different internal projections of their prospects than we think they have. And we can be wrong about that. There's something more dire than the Giants lineup right now, though, Doug. 
What's that, Brian? <laughs> the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are leading the National League West for most of the, the most of the season, and since the second half, they have really actually since July first, they've really just fallen apart. They are seven and sixteen. They were shut out yesterday by the Mariners. Uh, they have been outscored 130 to 91, and yeah, their their second half has not been has not been good. Four and eleven in the second half. So since the break, uh, and seven and sixteen overall, uh, taking them from they're up half a game on July 8th to now uh, four games back on the 31st. So uh, not what you want if you're a Diamondbacks fan. Great for the Giants. Uh, the same, the same thing. They have a lot of young players, though a lot of scrappy offensive stars who are, for the most part, having a solid season. You know, and and can be a threat because of their speed, their their overall peskiness, uh, that kind of thing. Corbin Carroll's having still a phenomenal season. He he has. No, I remember the last time the Giants played the Diamondbacks. I was like, I know Corbin Carroll's been good, and then I just kind of look at his stats, like, oh, oh, that's much better. Than I thought when I already thought was thinking he was pretty good. Um, yeah. No, he's right now. He's the sh- kind of the shoe in for rookie of the year in the NL. Um, and he's been a, a four and a half win player through, through the end of July. Uh, what, what do you do with that? You, you give him a big contract extension before the season is what you do with that. <laughs> so he's going to be around with the Diamondbacks for a very long time. And they, their starting pitching has, Hmm. I would say cool is probably the the better word for that. Uh, Zach Gallon still effectively leading it. Merrill Kelly's having a nice season, but overall, uh, that's kind of letting them down right now. They're pitching. It really is just kind of the usual suspects for the Diamondbacks. Kettle Marte having another great year. Zach Gallon, really good pitcher. Christian Walker, uh, another solid season. I will probably retweet the old Michael Clare tweet about uh, Christian Walker at some point. Uh, which What's was, that? <laughs> you know, Christian Walker does something good. Hey, kids, can I? I can tell you about another Christian who did a lot of walking. His name was <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, but pitching wise, this is the this is the point worth stressing. Um, the the worst, second worst pitching staff in baseball behind just the Nationals, based on uh, wins above replacement. For Fangraphs, minus 0.1. The Nationals, minus 0.3. Uh, so they haven't looked good there. They've had a team ERA close to six, flirting with six. Uh, a, a FIP that's like almost five and a half. So it hasn't looked all that great. You know, 16% home runs on fly on fly balls. Their strikeouts per nine uh, has kind of fallen under eight. The walks are up. You know, home run. They're giving up a lot of home runs. That's the main thing I'm seeing. But... So the pitching has been a problem. The Giants will face most of their rotation this week. So that is something worth considering because Ryan Nelson, Zach Gallen uh, have both been troublesome, but Brandon Vaught, that's a guy that they should be able to get to as everyone else has been able to get to. You'd like to think they could take this momentum. Well, the bigger thing, you'd like to think that their awesome pitching can carry over. And that's what I'm hoping can happen. So they can just outpitch the Diamondbacks and win some games. Yeah, it's with the way the Giants offense has been going, it's very hard to look at literally any major league pitcher and say the Giants should be able to get to him because they've had trouble getting to basically everyone uh, this month. So, yes, I, you know, Brandon Fott 
FOT, is that how you say it? Sure, we'll say FOT. Has yep. an 820 ERA. Um, or vote, maybe it's even that. It's it's weird. I'll just, I just won't say, I'll just call him Brandon. Uh, and so the Giants should be able to get to Brandon, but they probably will not, knowing <laughs> them. So, I mean, it's it's one of those things that like you watch them and it's, it's the really dispiriting thing. I'd say, especially against the A's, and I know they they swept that little two-game series, but the A's ran out two really bad pitchers um, who got a lot of innings at the beginning of the game, and the Giants had trouble touching either of them. Um, I know in the second game they they scored some runs in the late innings, but those those like bulk inning guy, the, the starter at the A's ran out, were not good pitchers. And if you're going to be a playoff team, you need to do better against those guys than the Giants did. So it'll be kind of a test for them to see if they can hit Mr. Brandon like they should. Uh, and I, I don't know if I'd say I'm looking forward to it, but it's going to be uh, pretty important to see. This is actually, you know, the toughest part of the schedule, as we talked about in the last episode. And it's good that they are able to take two out of three against a really tough team and that they're facing uh, a team that's going through a slump right now for their next four games it gives the Giants the opportunity to step into August, which on paper is the toughest month of the year for them. Um, you know, cause right after this, they do face the A's. So there, this is a nice stretch right now where the Giants might be able to gird themselves. I'm agreeing with you. I'm not going to say that they're going to build confidence from this. They seem overmatched a lot of the time, but you know, maybe we just need to neg Conforto and Jack Peterson a little bit more. Uh, and JD Davis, uh, they've had it too easy. You know, so I think maybe I, mean, we, need I don't to we need to neg. A, we don't need to neg Jock. I think he's been doing fine. OK, but, you know. That Michael Conforto, you know, OK, your vesting option just vested. Oh, good for you, man. Are you going <laughs> to you're going to hit well enough that you actually need to opt out because you're not getting another 18 million the way you're hitting now. Just saying. Yeah. All right. So any uh, prediction, random prediction you want to make about this series, this four game series? I think uh, the the Diamondbacks will miss the veteran leadership of Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> uh, along those lines, I'm sens- I'm sensing a Tory Lavallo uh, ejection. Oh, there. that'd be fun! Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, when Shamanaya uh, has pitched five shutout innings and struck out eight, he's going to lose his mind. <laughs> which I will too. It'll just be in the opposite direction. We'll have to wait a few days for that to happen though. All right. The next time you hear the giants Croncast, it will be after the trade deadline. It's going to be a big deal. We're not doing a special trade deadline thing for there, especially it doesn't seem like very much of a move's going to happen. I don't know uh, if there's a big blockbuster one we will definitely break it down. And also we'll be writing about it. Where Doug, where will you be writing about it? Uh, I will be writing at giantsdoug.substack.com where you can find me every Tuesday and Thursday writing about the San Francisco Giants. Brian, where can people find you? McCoveyChronicles.com, and you can find us at Fans First Sports Network. Check out on the web, FansFirstSports.com, for all the uh, other podcasts in that network, for all your favorite teams, and uh, follow us online at Giants Croncast on Twitter, which I refuse to call by its new name. Anyway, until Thursday after the trade deadline. Go Giants! Go Giants!